Only to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> is just as bad They call it Stormy Monday But Tuesday's just as bad Wednesday's worse And Thursday's also sad Yes, the eagle flies on Friday And Saturday I go out to play Eagle flies on Friday And Saturday I go out to play Sunday I go to church Then I kneel down and pray
Fred Neal there, completing our opening set on the Labor and Love radio show. Welcome, welcome, and uh, what have we got for you today? I'm the Bee, and uh, this is Mutiny Radio. We're located at 2781 21st Street. We feature lots of art, comedy, radio, video, drama, paintings. Mutiny Radio is a lot more than just a little place on 21st and Florida. So come on down. See what a, an evolving art community See how it works. Join up. We're always looking for writers and programmers. Use our space for a hundred bucks. You can rent the space for two hours and throw your own event. Always lots of things happening at Mutiny Radio. Good morning. And this is the Labor and Love Show. My name is Bill Morgan, a.k.a. The Bee. And this is the show where we remind you that when one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. Reminding you that if you don't have a seat at the table, at the negotiating table, you're probably on the menu. Oh, and one more thing, never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Good morning, everybody. This is where you get your labor news, commentary, opinion. We talk labor history, and we talk music of social significance. Like this. Early Luis Valdez. One of the most important weapons, instruments in any cause, in any movement, in any strike, is the picket sign. We wrote a song about this, it's in Spanish. We call it El Picket Sign. Desde Texas a California, campesinos están luchando. Desde Texas a California, campesinos están luchando. Los rancheros a llore y llore, de huelga ya están bien pandos El piquet sign, el piquet sign, lo llevo por todo el día El piquet sign, el piquet sign, conmigo toda la vida Ya tenemos más del año peleando por esta huelga Ya tenemos más del año peleando por esta huelga Un ranchero ya murió Y el otro y así su abuela El piquet sign, el piquet sign Lo llevo por todo el día El piquet sign, el piquet sign Conmigo toda la vida Un primo que tengo yo Andaba regando diches Un primo que tengo yo Andaba regando diches Un día con pagarulo Y otro con sanaba biches El piquet sign, el piquet sign Lo llevo por todo el día El piquet sign, el piquet sign Conmigo toda la vida 
Me dicen que soy muy necio, gritón y alborota pueblos. Me dicen que soy muy necio, gritón y alborota pueblos. Pero Juárez fue mi tío y Zapata fue mi suegro. El Piguenzain, el Piguenzain, lo llevo por todo el día. El Piguenzain, el Piguenzain, conmigo toda la vida. Y ahora ando organizando la raza en todos los files. Y ahora ando organizando la raza en todos los files. Y muchos siguen comiendo tortillas con puros chiles. El piguetzain, el piguetzain, lo llevo por todo el día. El piguetzain, el piguetzain, conmigo toda la vida. Hay muchos que no comprenden. Aunque uno les da consejos, hay muchos que no comprenden. Aunque uno les da consejos, la huelga es un bien para todos. Pero uno se hacen pendejos el piguetzain, el piguetzain. Lo llevo por todo el día el piguetzain, el piguetzain. Conmigo toda la vida el piguetzain, el piguetzain. Lo llevo por todo el día, el piguetzain, el piguetzain, conmigo toda la vida. Early Luis Valdez there, el piquetzain, back in the days of the uh, great, great boycott, uh, led by Cesar Chavez, Dolores Huerta, Larry Itleon, Philip Veracruz, and many others. Uh, el picket sign. I carry the picket sign all day long. Good morning, everybody. Working the day shift with you. This is the B. And we started out today with T-Bone Walker and the Working Man's Blues. Tuesday is just as bad. They call it Stormy Monday, but Tuesday is just as bad. And then we jumped over to Etta James with a song you always hear on this station, Gotta Serve Somebody, because that's what we're telling. That's what we're telling you. Whatever you do, whatever choices you make, ultimately you gotta serve somebody. So... In terms of today, what are you going to do? Today is Saturday, August 26th, and neo-Nazi, Klan, right-wing groups have planned demonstrations, meetings in San Francisco and in Berkeley. And the reaction of San Francisco has been to give them permits. Now it develops that they've changed their mind. There's not going to be a rally today at Chrissy Field, but the alt-right, whatever, the people who are racist in their outlook, racist, exceptionalist, elitist in their outlook, and white are not going to meet at Chrissy Field. They're going to meet at Alamo Square 
much smaller venue uh, right in the center of uh, the Fillmore District, which used to be a predominantly black neighborhood. I don't know what the, the tally is now. What do we got for you today? We're going to take a look at African Afro beat innovator and social justice crusader, Fela Kuti. We're going to hear our uh, Win Weekend Review, which reviews all the labor news in the U.S. mostly. We're going to... Talk about the great victory in Missouri. People's veto power stops Missouri anti-union law. We've got commentary from W.E.B. Du Bois. W.E.B. Du Bois, one of the most important intellectuals, writers, speakers, Again, the word crusaders comes up. Anti-lynching crusader, W.E.B. Du Bois. I sure would like to find something in his words. Um, What has Labor Notes got this week? We'll take a look at that. Teachers Union, Painters Union activity there. So welcome to the Labor and Love Show. And as is our practice, we start out playing music, and I want to inject a, a sports connection here because I'm a baseball guy. Um, the Los Angeles Dodgers and their amazing resurgence this year. This team has won already 90 games out of 128 that it's played, which in baseball is unheard of. They're on a pace to win uh, more games than anyone in history. Uh, The Mets, I believe, in the 80s, 116 wins. The Dodgers have ripped off huge, huge skeins of of victories, you know, winning at one point fifty out of fifty-seven games that they played. Incredible. Sport being what it is and and uh, corporate sport being what it is. We have to look at the dark side of baseball, even those of us who are big fans. And the dark side is that that owners of teams are often in collusion with the most anti-labor and uh, anti-people Initiatives, For example, in the case of the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, the, the renowned stadium, one of the most admired stadiums in baseball, Chavez Ravine, 
is constructed on the site of a community, a multiracial but predominantly Latino community, little communities that were up in the hills around Chavez Ravine. The people who lived there, and there's a beautiful book of photography called Chavez Ravine, 1949, I think. A guy who was a, uh, a photographer wandered upon these two little uh, communities, which were called Chavez Ravine, or three perhaps, I'm not sure. But they were small communities, and he went around and photographed the people and talked to them. And uh, I guess kind of filed it away somewhere, you know, didn't know what would happen. A few years later, all that became very important because the city of Los Angeles um, took over, used um, eminent domain to take over the properties and offer what they called a fair price for the properties. But as one person said, how can they, you know, pay for my home? It's my home. It's not just a house. There was a strong resistance. The last few people had to be dragged out of their house uh, physically by sheriff's deputies while uh, bulldozers wrecked, dismantled the whole little group of communities. So that's where Chavez Rafin is built. And that's the story of how it started. This is um, from an album called Chavez Ravine by uh, Ry Cooter. Cool cats. Cool. 
really fell in love Three cool chicks made three fools of these That's what they did, brothers. Made fools of bees. I'm a fool for you, baby. Thank you. 
circle spinning faster and getting larger all the time. A whirlpool spell disaster for all the people who don't rhyme. Him who don't fit through the needle's eye. Him who just don't understand. Understand. Someday go insane 
sense of freedom A brand new sense of time You may go and stand alone now And leave the hate and fear behind Yeah Scott Heron there. A needle's eye. When will the rich understand that they're not going to make it to heaven? It's harder, it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. Now, for those people who claim that uh, Jesus' doctrine, his teachings, were not revolutionary, <laughs> were not on the side of the have-nots, of the workers who were struggling, uh, that kind of nullifies your belief, I'm afraid. Okay, we had Gil Scott Heron, The Needle's Eye, then two by Rye Cooter, Rye Cooter with um, Three Cool Cats, reminiscent of uh, young men going out at night, in this case Chicanos. Then it was followed by third base Dodger Stadium about a man who remembers where his house used to be, right over there by third base at Dodger Stadium. And even though I'm a baseball fan, I missed my home. It wasn't worth it. All right, let's listen to Win Weekend Review now. Win Weekend Review. Produced by Workers Independent News, hence the win, right? Workers Independent News Week in Review. I'm Doug Cunningham. Hospital workers are joining Fight for 15 and SEIU in a planned massive drive to unseat anti-worker politicians. SEIU and Fight for 15 say tens of thousands of workers are each pledging 40 hours to create a nationwide army of volunteers ahead of the 2018 elections. This huge worker political effort kicks off on Labor Day when Fight for 15 will strike and protest in more than 300 cities. At a rainy Good Jobs Nation rally in Indianapolis this week, U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders urged unity in the face of politically divisive hatred. What we are doing here in Indianapolis is what must happen in every state in this country. People standing together and demanding an economy and a government that represents all of us and not the one percent. Missouri workers have stopped the anti-union right-to-work law there in its tracks. Passed by a Republican-dominated legislature, the anti-worker law attacking union finances was set to take effect August 28th. But thanks to a ballot initiative petition drive, Labor delivered enough signatures to block the law. The question will now be on the state ballot in Missouri in 2018. Mike Lewis is president of the Missouri AFL-CIO. We've done a long process of making sure people understand exactly what right-to-work 
Network does, which is cut wages, reduce benefits, make more unsafe working conditions for everyone, not just those covered under a collective bargaining agreement, but for everyone across the state. The strike and picketing at a Christiansburg, Virginia Target store by New River Workers Power has led to an investigation of the Target store general manager. Workers have alleged that that manager, Daniel Butler, has sexually harassed workers and made racist comments to them. Adam is one of the striking workers. We're not using Adam's last name in these reports. There was a big morale boost because one of the, the managers who seemed a little bit more sympathetic with us actually informed us that manager Daniel Butler is now under investigation by the uh, Target Corporation. So we were successfully able to trigger that response from the Target Corporation from, from the public outcry of support for our efforts. Adam says New River Workers Power were also heartened by labor union support on their Christiansburg, Virginia target picket line Thursday. International Association of Machinist Workers are on strike at Houston's Wyman Gordon plant. IAM District 37 President Byron Williams says the strike was triggered by the company trying to cut disability pay and wanting to start entry-level workers at lower pay, around $12 an hour, while also freezing those wages for three years. They wanted to freeze those wages for three years, and with only periodic increases, it would take, if you did just simple math, it would take 50 to 60 years for an employee to reach from entry-level position to the top of that labor grade. Workers Independent News provided by Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Okay, Workers Independent News. Let's talk some more about uh, that action in Missouri that stopped uh, anti-union right-to-work law. Briefly speaking, right-to-work has nothing to do with your right to work or not. Of course, you have the right to work. (laughs) The worker wants you, right? The worker wants, the boss wants you to work. That's your right. Um, What right to work refers to is a law that um, workers can work without being members of a union, even in a union shop. The union can't can't force people to join to join a union so what happens is workers go and instead of uh, paying their union dues they trust the boss they trust the corporation and of course they're exploited I mean this this is, was the point of the Nissan strike the Nissan negotiation election last month that workers have a voice sure okay wages are okay that's good benefits are okay they paid a little into your pension that's fine but what about having a voice in your work day what about having an agency that's there representing you So, um, Missouri workers have stopped the anti-union right-to-work law there in its tracks. Passed by a Republican-dominated legislature, the anti-worker law attacking union finances was set to take effect August 28th. This is another point of right-to-work. By law, unions are required to represent workers at a facility whether or not the worker is a member of the union. 
So I can refuse to pay my my, uh, union dues and still get representation if I get in a problem. Also, people who are not members of the union get all the benefits of of collective bargaining, like raises in salary. As a teacher, I started out making about $800 a month. And when I retired, it was quite a bit more than that, four or five times that. And that was not because the people I worked for were worried about me or wanted to get me more money. It was because the union I was a member of work to get me more money. So if you want to be fair about it, all the people who are against unions, who are teachers, should have their pay cut back to what it was before collective bargaining. That would be fair. I certainly don't expect that to happen. More on Missouri. But thanks to a ballot initiative petition drive, Labor delivered enough signatures to block the law. The question will be on the state ballot in Missouri in 2018. Mike Lewis, the uh, president of Missouri AFL-CIO, said, We've done a long process of making sure people understand exactly what right to work does. For right to work, read, right to be exploited. Right to work cuts wages, reduces benefits, and makes more unsafe working conditions because all these decisions are left up to management without a voice from the workers. This is a way. Right to work is a way for employers to keep wages low so they can make more money. Right to work does all this for everyone, not just those covered under a collective bargaining agreement, but for everyone across the state. Lewis says Missouri's people oppose the anti-union law Republicans call right to work. The working people of Missouri fully understand the implications of what a bad law right to work really is. We voted it down in 78. They put it, there was a threat to put it on the ballot again in 1986. And we had a governor stand on the front steps of the Capitol in a rally in 86 and tell us that if he had anything to do with right to do with it, right to work would never be on the ballot again because Missouri does not like right to work. Okay, here, here for the people in Missouri. Stop a right to work law called the People's Veto. People's Veto. Very nice wording. People's Veto. In other news, Joe Arpaio, uh, the, the notoriously cruel hearted, autocratic, Sheriff of 
Maricopa County in Arizona, was convicted of uh, ordering his his people to racially profile. Um, and he was dismissed from being sheriff. This is what John McCain, senator from Arizona, said. No one is above the law, and the individuals entrusted with the privilege of being sworn law officers should always seek to be beyond reproach in their commitment to fairly enforcing the laws they swore to uphold. Mr. Arpaio was found guilty of criminal contempt for continuing to illegally profile Latinos living in Arizona based on their perceived immigration status in violation of a judge's orders. The president has the authority to make this pardon, but doing so at this time undermines his claim for the respect of rule of law, as Mr. Arpaio has shown no remorse for his actions. So, Joe Arpaio. Someone else remarked that it was like a middle finger to justice in this country. Others, of course, like the decision. Mr. Trump pardons Joe Arpaio. Leonard Peltier, a community organizer in the Indian community, is in jail. He's been in jail for 30 years. Mumia Abu-Jamal, a community organizer and revolutionary philosopher, writer, activist, whatever, is in jail for a crime he may or may not have committed. It, it, would, it was impossible to figure it out because he was not given a fair trial. He deserves a fair trial. At any rate, Mr. Trump lets Joe Arpaio, pardons Joe Arpaio. America, your slip is showing. Your racist slip is showing. I want to talk now about a, an African musician fighter for social justice named Fela Kuti. Uh, Fela Kuti was born into a upper middle class family in Nigeria. His father was a clergyman. Uh, he was a prominent educator. His mother was a feminist and social activist with Marxist leaning who was part of several national delegations representing Nigeria at conferences. He first started out playing uh, traditional high-life music, songs about love and the mundanities of everyday life. Can we say that? Yeah. <laughs> Um, he came on a tour of the United States, um, the 
bloody, during the bloody civil war in Nigeria, the Biafran War, it's called. Afrin War, and uh, he became uh, radicalized. His association with Sandra Isidore, a black American immersed in the politics of the Black Panther Party and the growing drift towards Afrocentricity, ignited in Felakuti a new vision that involved integrating black politics with a hybrid style composed of contemporary horn-driven Afro-American popular music, psychedelic rock, and, and other. Uh, we're going to play one of Fela Kuti now. Uh, pardon me. In <laughs> the interruption. Um... Play one called, called Don't Teach Me No Nonsense. Teacher, don't teach me no nonsense. Alakudi touches on the very nexus of where colonialism, colonialism and oppression happen in the minds of our young. Not 
fellow Kuti, uh, don't teach me no lies. Don't teach me no nonsense, teacher. Teacher, teacher, own the lecturer be your name. Teacher, teacher, nay, the lecture be the same. Making no teaching me again as soon as teaching finishes, yes, da. Thingy it going to die, it going to dale. Soon as teaching finish, ya, that thing it going to die. Let's get down. We all sing together, play music together in happiness. All you have to do is sing what I play on my horn. Now let's go. Although a hot all the problems, all the things, all the things they do for this world go start. When the teacher, schoolboy, and schoolgirl jam together, who be teacher? I go let you know. When we be picked, father, mama be teacher. When we day for school, teacher be teacher. Now day university lecture be teacher. When we start to work, government be teacher. Who be government teacher? Culture and tradition. Culture and tradition. Yes, sir, man. England, Italy, Germany. Teacher, don't teach me no nonsense. Boba la nonsense. He pass redeem. Just some samples of, of the lyrics of Fela Kuti. Um, see a bit more about him. He uh, became more and more radicalized. Um, among other things, the, the Black Panther uh, philosophy here in the United States, but also the movement, the Afrocentric movement that was developing at the time. Paul McCartney was introduced to Fella when he went to Nigeria to record his album Band on the Run after an awkward first meeting that had Fella accusing McCartney of coming to Africa to steal black man's music. They developed a friendship. McCartney would, McCartney would later confess to have been reduced to tears by the power of Fella's music. Fella's music. Miles Davis acknowledged his influence. 1970, in the 1970s, he formed his own political party, a political party, the Movement of the People Party, and offered himself as a presidential candidate in 1979. One big festival, 1977, Fella denounced the military government in nightly sermons delivered at the shrine where musicians flocked to pay him homage. Among them were Stevie Wonder, Sun Ra, and Himasakela, Brazilian artists Caetano Veloso and Gilberto Gui, who for a time had been forced into exile by the military of their country also met Fela. 
Less than a week after the end of the festival, the army surrounded his commune. Everyone was beaten, the female members sexually violated. His mother was thrown from a first floor window and although initially surviving the attack, died a few months later from the injuries she sustained. Kuti was in jail for seven, 27 days, tortured, suffering various bone fractures. The ridiculous verdict of the government was that it had all been perpetuated by an exasperated unknown soldier. He left uh, Nigeria, then went to Ghana, but still kept singing his songs and talking his talk. So policeman, go slap your face. You no go talk. Army man, go whip your buttocks. You go, they look like donkey. Fellas allusion to army brutality, a common occurrence in 1970s military-ruled Nigeria, as well as 21st century United States, carried a resonance among many civilian victims who had been verbally humiliated, maimed, and even killed by soldiers. But he remained defiant. He would continue to endure numerous arrests, many of them for possession of Indian hemp, but also one last major politically motivated arrest in 1984, which involved an alleged violation of currency regulations just before he was due to embark on a tour of the United States. international campaign spearheaded by Amnesty International followed to free him soon after his arrest. His release in 1986, he he played alongside artists such as U2, Sting, and Peter Gabriel in a series of benefit concerts for Amnesty. He died after a lengthy illness. His brother, Olukoye, a medical practitioner, announced that Fela had stubbornly refused to seek medical help and that by the time he agreed to be taken to the hospital was not cognizance of the diagnosis of AIDS. The cause of death many blamed on a hedonistic lifestyle. During his life, he was criticized for corrupting the nation's youth due to his fondness for marijuana and his projection of hypersexuality. While he may have spoken up for the nation's downtrodden underclass, fellow was attacked for exploiting young women, many of whom who came from poor backgrounds. He was a mass of contradictions. Read more about Felicuti on uh, online. Certainly uh, a contradictory um, figure. You know, like so many men 
professing uh, support for freedom and uh, autonomy, women, while at the same time not practicing it in your life. Velakuti, beast of no nation. All right, so Pilakuti, Nigerian artist. I want to say one more thing before more music. Uh, this is about the removal of Confederate statues in neighborhoods all over, cities all over the country, but mainly concentrated in the South because these Confederate generals, Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson... I heard one about Uncle Billy Mahone, uh, Bedford Forrest. These are heroes of the Confederacy, Jefferson Davis. And the Confederacy was a nation that was in rebellion against the United States. The point is that the statues stand for the persistence of segregation. After all, the Civil War was a war fought, among other things, mainly about segregation, maybe a, mainly about which are more important, property rights or human rights. Are African Americans people or three-fifths of a person, as are the law of our land states? So... A lot of people in the South want to hold on to that, want to hold on to that nation, the Confederacy, for various reasons. But there's no denying that the Confederates fought to preserve slavery. The poor whites to preserve their place as masters, at least, of African Americans and the rich were profiting off the labor. So th there's a debate now about should those statues stay up or not. And this is a short essay by W.E.B. Du Bois, a renowned scholar, author, um, speaker. Found one of the founders of the NAACP, anti-lynching crusader. In 1928, he wrote this regarding the statues. <clears throat> Early on the 19th of January, <clears throat> there is renewed effort to canonize, canonize Robert E. Lee, the greatest Confederate general. His personal comeliness, his aristocratic birth, and his military prowess all call for the verdict of greatness and genius. But one thing, one terrible fact militates against this, and that is the inescapable truth that Robert E. Lee led a bloody war to perpetuate slavery. Copperheads like the New York Times may magisterially declare, well, of course, he never fought for slavery. Well, for what did he fight? State rights? Nonsense. The 
South cared only for state rights as a weapon to defend slavery. If nationalism had been a stronger defense of the slave system than particularism, the South would have been as nationalistic in 1861 as it had been in 1812. 
Okay, the argument is not whether Robert Lee was a good guy or not. He was a slave owner and he fought for the rights of whites to own slaves, black slaves. America, America. America, I can't stand my own mind. America, when will we end the human war? Go fuck yourself with your atom bomb. I don't feel good. Don't bother me. I won't write my poem until I'm in my right mind. When will you be angelic? When will you take off your clothes? When will you look at yourself in the, through the grave? When will you be worthy of your million Christs? America, why are your libraries full of tears? America, when will you send your eggs to India? <laughs> I'm sick of your insane demands. When will you reinvent the heart? When will you manufacture lambs? When will your cowboys reach Spangler? When will your dams release the flood of eastern tears? When will your technicians get drunk and abolish money? When will you institute religions of perception in your legislatures? When can I go into the supermarket and buy what I need with my good looks? <laughs> America, after all, it is you and I who are perfect, not the next world. Your machinery is too much for me. I don't want to work for a living. You make me want to be a saint. There must be some other way to settle this argument. I don't want to die young, I want to die old and unhappy. I don't mind dying so long as it's not sorted. Now, Burroughs is in Tangiers, I don't think he'll come back and it's sinister. Are you being sinister or is this some form of playing a practical joke? I'm trying to come to the point. I refuse to give up my obsession. America, stop pushing, I know what I'm doing. America, the plum blossoms are falling. America, I haven't read the newspapers for months. Every day somebody goes on trial for murder. America, I feel sentimental about the Wobblies. <laughs> America, I used to be a communist when I was a kid. I'm not sorry. I smoke marijuana every chance I get. $0.27. I don't want to work. Maybe it's still looking for the job. I can't study anymore. I'll never teach for a living. I sit in my house for days on end without going out. When I go to Chinatown, I get drunk and never get laid. My mind is made up. There's going to be trouble. You should have seen me reading Marx. The American flag is absolutely meaningless to me still just as it was in the 30s. 
<laughs> I won't say the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> I have mystical visions and cosmic vibrations. America, I still haven't told you what you did to Uncle Max after he came over from Russia. <laughs> I'm addressing you. Are you going to let your emotional life be run by Time magazine? <laughs> I'm obsessed by Time magazine. <laughs> I read it every week. Its cover stares at me every time I pass the corner of Northwest of Sutter Street and Montgomery Street. I read it in the basement of the Berkeley Public Library. <laughs> Time Magazine is always telling me about responsibility. <laughs> Businessmen are serious. Movie producers are serious. Everybody's serious but me. <laughs> it occurs to me that I am America. I am talking to myself again. <laughs> is rising against me. <laughs> I haven't got a Chinaman's chance. I had better consider all of my natural resources. My natural resources consist of two sticks of marijuana, millions of genitals, an atom bomb, and 2,500 mental institutions. <laughs> I say nothing about my prisons or the millions of underprivileged who live in my flower pot. I have very few bordellos, and that's all there is. I have abolished my whorehouses in France, and Tangiers is the next to go. My ambition is to be president, despite the fact that I'm a Catholic. America, how can I write a holy litany in your silly mood? I will continue like Henry Ford. My strophes are as individual as his automobiles. More so, they're all different sexes. <laughs> America, I will sell you strophes at 2500 apiece, 500 down on your old strophes trade-in, and the rest of your life is to pay. <laughs> America, free Tom Mooney. America, save the Spanish loyalists. America, Sacco and Vanzetti must not die. <laughs> I am the Scottsboro Boys. You are! America, when I was seven, my mother took me to a communist cell meeting. They sold us bupkis, a handful per ticket, a ticket cost a nickel, and the speeches were free. Everybody was angelic and sentimental about the workers. It was all so sincere, you have no idea what a good thing the party was in 1835. Scott Nearing <laughs> was a grand old man, a real mensch, Mother Bloor made me cry. I once saw a Browder plane. Everybody must have been a spy. <laughs> America, you don't really want to go to war. America, it's them bad Russians. Them Russians, them Russians, and them Chinamen. And them Russians. The Russians are power mad. The Russia wants to eat us alive. She wants to take our cars from out our garages. <laughs> Her 
Her wants to take our factories. Her wants to corrupt our college girls. Her wants to put us all in slave labor camps. Her wants to emaciate us like skeletons. Her wants Malenko or Buganin or somebody to be our boss. Her wants to dictify us. Him big bureaucracy running our filling stations. That no good. Look, who make Indians learn read? Ha! Him need niggers. Folks, her make us all work 16 hours a day. Help! America, this is quite serious. America, this is the impression I get from reading the newspaper. America, is this correct? I'd better get right down to the job. <laughs> it's true, I don't want to join the army or turn lathes and precision parts factories on nearsighted and psychopathic anyway. Right. America, I am putting my queer shoulder to the wheel. <laughs> Um, but one of the reasons why the war in Vietnam was able to happen as long as it did was because this, of this fear of communism. And people pointed to the Vietnamese as their enemy, as if somehow or another, if the country defeated the communist enemy in Vietnam, things were going to be okay at home. People's lives would be better. They would feel better about themselves. And now, of course, with the socialist um, uh, world in collapse, with the exception maybe of Cuba, what has happened is that um, other figures have moved into the vacuum that was created as far as the enemy was concerned with the fall of communism. So now, the criminal becomes the enemy. The crim criminal, that, the racialized criminal, the criminal that's figured largely as a young black man or a young Latino man, and increasingly as young women of color. But then there's some other figures as well that have moved into that vacuum. And if we look at the extent to which women on welfare have been demonized and represented as those who are um, basically stealing, pillaging the, the money that taxpayers earn. I mean, now the welfare system has been basically abolished. It's been basically disestablished. And of course, before the disestablishment of that system, welfare was less than 1% of the budget. And when you consider how much of the national political debate focused on welfare, that must tell us something about the way enemies are created.
Angela Davis on uh, the creation of enemies. Okay, let's throw in. Get out of here. Lou Harris with a uh, personal favorite of mine, uh, Jambalaya. 
See, I think we've pretty much covered what we were going to cover. Uh, labor notes, teachers' union caucuses gathered to swap strategies. Uh, there is coming down the line a, an anti-teachers' union uh, initiative based on Friedrichsen that uh, would force unions to pay to <clears throat> to pay um, pardon me force unions to to defend teachers who were having legal problems it would force te teachers unions to support them even though they would have the option of not paying uh, union dues and not joining the union so the union has to work for free with teachers facing similar attacks in school districts across the country, it makes sense to share strategies for fighting back. 75 educator activists met in Los Angeles August 4th to 6th, representing school districts from Philadelphia to Oakland and statewide groups from Hawaii, New Jersey, and Massachusetts. <clears throat> That's on uh, labor notes. Four months into a strike, Idaho miners still strong. A beloved 53-year-old miner named Larry Merrick was killed on the job at the Lucky Friday mine in Mulan, Idaho, just a few years back. Steelworkers Local 5114 had been warning the company about the stability of a certain area called a stope. Management had Merrick mine out the last piece of earth supporting the cavern for the ore it contained, and the roof collapsed. Okay, miners on strike in Idaho. Why did workers at Nissan vote no? What do unions have to do now to regain the initiative? All these are stories on the Labor Notes site, and I invite you to go ahead there and, and read it. A Middle Finger to America. Pardon of Joe Arpaio. Phoenix newspaper dished on Arpaio. Numerous tweets from the Phoenix New Times, an alternative paper in the Phoenix area, writes, we've been covering Joe Arpaio for many more than 20 years. Here are a couple of things you should know about him. He ran a jail that he described as a concentration camp. Prisoners there died at an alarming rate, often without explanation. Prisoners hang themselves in Sheriff Joe Arpaio's jails at a rate that dwarfs other county lockups. And Trump, Mr. Trump has pardoned him. He's pardoned his behavior. Since he was elected sheriff in 1993, county taxpayers 
have shelled out more than $140 million to litigate and ultimately settle claims of brutality by the sheriff's deputies. Lawsuits charge that the sheriff has cultivated a culture of cruelty motivated by Arpaio's incessant trumpeting that he is America's toughest lawman. Searching other databases reveal that close to 160 people have died in Arpaio's jails. That's an estimate. Because the truth is that no outside authority keeps track of how many people die from brutality, neglect, disease, bad health, or old age in Arpaio's jails. Joe Arpaio, a free man. Leonard and Mumia remain in jail. America, America, America. Erase its slips beginning to show. Just about time for us to get out of here now. Hopefully you've uh, been there with us all morning. Hopefully you'll have a good week and good work. This is the B signing off. See you at the counter rally. Remember the thing to do is keep cool and let the crazy people indict themselves. Sit and watch. Laugh if you can. What about a big laugh-in where we go and listen to the speeches and laugh in public? This is the bee signing off. Reminding you that if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, another person worked for a dollar they didn't get. Reminding you that if you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table that is, where you work, you're probably on the menu. And finally, never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you.
For all of your listening pleasures, they've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. Mutiny Radio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Want to spend a summer Sunday laughing your cares away? Then come join the fun at San Francisco's Comedy Day. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laps, and it's free. Besides our annual celebration of stand-up, did you know that Comedy Day offers workshops that teach Bay Area students how to use humor to resolve conflict? Comedy Day is so serious about ending bullying, it's banning all comedians from using the following phrases. Knee-slapping, side-splitting, break a leg, bust a gut, knock them dead. Those words hurt. But Comedy Day feels good. It's fun for the whole family. Did I mention it's free? Hey, comedy fans, don't miss the 37th Annual Comedy Day, the original longest-running free outdoor comedy concert in the world. The funny starts at noon on Sunday, September 17th at Sharon Meadow in Golden Gate Park, San Francisco. One stage, five hours, 40 comedians, a million laughs. It's free! 
Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.Evan. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District, where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So then all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. You mosey on down to Bender's Bar. Inside, you can find Counter Offer, offering you amazing late night food and snacks. Try the chicken biscuit, it's like your stomach's in a tasty tornado. They have exceptionally great daily ground sustainable burgers with sides of tater tots, grilled asparagus, and delicious zucchini and creamy delicious mac and cheese. You like tacos? They get them. Specials, very deep fried fish sandwich to a stoner burger with a donut bun. What are those crazy potheads gonna come up with next? Go to the counter offer inside of Blender's Bar at 800 South Van Ness Avenue, San Francisco. It's located between 19th Street and 20th Street in the Mission District. Open seven. Black, black plastic is what is coming at you from the mutinyradio.fm. It's a beautiful sunny day in the Mission District. 